Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. Excited to talk to you about the Tennessee Titans, part of the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Zen Sports and Jaspers. Let's get right to it. I'm going to talk about Will Levis's energy and just how contagious and healthy that is for the Titans. Dylan Radin's false starts and his ability to deal with some criticism. Big fines around the league that are getting a little bit ridiculous. And Amani Hooker's role in that. And a visit from the wonderful and very Christmas-spirited Positive PK. Let's get right into it. Will Levis stormed off the field, pumping his arms. You could see his veins, his eye black, you know, whatever shape he puts on his face was smeared all over there. And he was fired up after he led the Titans to their second touchdown in four and a half minutes on Monday night in Miami that put the Titans ahead. The defense managed to hold. But we saw the energy of a guy who brings it to the Titans in a different way than his predecessors did. We saw Ryan Tannehill get fired up, but his personality was more low-key than Levis's is. Now, you need your quarterback to be measured and level at the appropriate times. But when the time comes for the fire, bring the fire. I want it. And uh, it, it's been great. As Mike Herndon pointed out um, on his Twitter feed Monday night, there, there was cause to doubt the ingredients in the Titans locker room post-Taylor Lewan post-A.J. Brown. We're talking offense in particular here. And Mike said he's no longer worried about the juice side of things, seeing that from Levis. And I absolutely agree. High energy from a quarterback is absolutely contagious. And while you're having it from a left tackle or a wide receiver is nice, it's exponentially more valuable coming from a quarterback. And the Titans have that from Will Levis. You know, we've talked about um, his arm and his quick release, you know, the decision-making getting better, the accuracy being an issue but not leading to interceptions so far. But the quarterback personality is a key ingredient, and he has it. Now, you don't absolutely have to have what we're talking about here. Joe Montana didn't, but Joe Montana's bar was so high in other areas that being a more low-key guy served him just fine, you know. But if I'm setting, you know, the meter in all these different departments, going over here, if you're watching me over here, this one, you know, accuracy you want high, decision-making you want high, you know, uh, mobility you could take middle, blah, 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 blah. I, I want that fire one high so long as it's measured. And his has been measured. Here's Will Levis on being that kind of fired up guy. Uh, I haven't taken pre-workout in a while, probably since college max day in the weight room. But, um, no, just just juice, just from the inside. But, no, they do a great job with that. Um, Kyle's great, and um, I'm proud to have received the award. How much do you think that juice is a carryover quality that's hopefully for the team? Especially, we saw it most vividly when he came off the sideline after the second touchdown. Yeah. What are you feeling there, and what's it mean? Yeah, it's interesting because I think, like, you know, as a quarterback, as a 
competitor as a leader, you hear about staying calm, cool, and collected. And there's definitely some, you know, uh, something to be said about that. And I feel like I keep myself that way a lot. Um, but when there is those times that you are able to, you know, show your emotions and, you know, this is an emotional game and uh, you can't have it bottled up all the time, um, you know, just be yourself out there and, and show those emotions and wear your heart on your sleeve sometimes. And just sometimes that's just can bring other guys up with you. So it's just knowing when to, when to use it and uh, being authentic with it. It's contagious up and down the roster, right? The Titans, when he had that display coming off the field, still had to stop the Dolphins after Levis led them to the second late touchdown in Miami that put him ahead 28-27. There's still 145 left. The Dolphins didn't have any timeouts, but they just needed a field goal. That's doable by all means. But I think that group, the defensive group, had played really well, and they see Levis come off the field having done his part, the offense having done their part, and he's full of electricity, and that helps power them. you know. And the guys on the other side of the ball, it's not just the offense that feeds off the quarterback, right? It's everybody, the crowd, the defense, the special teams, hell, the, the ball boys, right, you know. Here's Harold Landry on the effect of Oh, that. for sure. Um, I didn't even know like that was like him like being able to do that, how he's like uh, been motivating us and just like the energy that he brings to the sideline and to the field is uh, it's been amazing. And I think it's definitely the whole team is uh, feeding off of it. So there's some discovery still there, right? The whole team is just uh, feeding off of that. And he said, I didn't even know he had that. Here's another piece I wrote off of the game, you know, if you want draft position over a win like that, you know, here's a team discovering things about its quarterback. Here's a pass rusher who's coming back into his own, having, you know, mostly recovered now, it seems, from the ACL repair from last year. And he's learning things about the new quarterback that's going to be the leader of this team. You're under estimating the value of stuff like that if you rather they lose that game and get better draft position as a result of having lost that game. There's a ton, a ton, a ton of value in that. And Levis's personality is uh, it's a winning personality. I think the accuracy gets there. I think the decision-making gets there. It's not going to be the best in the league, but his moxie, and energy is going to be a part of the formula that makes him a formidable quarterback, I think. And there's no cause not to be excited about him. Um, that first time to go drive down and lead your team to a last-minute win is a big deal on the resume. And I think it's cool for Titans fans to have had that on Monday Night Football for the nation to see and get its taste of what you've got since you've been kind of, uh, you know, a laughing stock in, in terms of how you've played this season. Dylan Radins <clears throat> is part of the reason that uh, that the league and the, and the country doesn't think much of the Titans this year. He has played 66% of the snaps that Aaron Brewer has played this year. And I think Aaron Brewer has played the most of any Titans offensive lineman. So with those 66% of Aaron Brewer's snaps, Dylan Radins, according to the football database, is the most third most penalized player in the NFL with 10 penalties. And eight false starts are the most in the NFL. That is insane. It's disheartening. 
It's not been corrected, which is on him. And uh, Titans don't have an alternative to him, obviously. Where's the disconnect with him and some of these other repeat offenders with these sort of penalties? Mike Vrabel doesn't have much of an answer to that question. I don't jump offside. So when you have an opportunity to ask the players, you could ask them where the disconnect is with the music, the crowd noise, the cadence that we use in practice. But I don't, you know, I, I don't. I, I jumped offside plenty when I was playing. So I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. You know, I mean, it's like it's frustrating to see whether they're locked in and <clears throat> you know, their assignment or a pass rush and. We went through the week where it was the third down escapade. And, you know, just not to, you know, it, it's just, I guess, just frustrating that those are mistakes that, you know, we can't make and you know, overcome second and 15 or first and 15. So after Raiden's had a second penalty in this game, I tweeted something paraphrasing like you know as you're raiding the titans slew of draft failures over the last seven years don't underrate dylan raiders and uh sometime not too long after the game before i was in bed so he could have been on the bus or on the plane he commented on that tweet and he's and he's pretty active on twitter um, he's liked stuff before some of it, negative stuff about the team. He said, Oh, Paul, you've gone and hurt my feelings or something like that. I'm paraphrasing all of this. Um, and I, I responded to him. I said, great win, safe travels. Can we get a game without uh, a false start? And he responded with a gif of, uh, somebody saluting back at me. And I saluted a hat tip back at him. Seemed like a very reasonable adult conversation. Of course, several fans jumped in defending Dylan Radens as if he was Joe Thomas um, and, you know, looking for it to be a fight. It was not a fight. It was a very reasonable exchange for the medium, um, which is, is pretty unusual. Um, but I, I thought um, – it was a very cool and normal conversation. It wasn't personal. Uh, look, Dylan Radens has come up far, far short of expectations. He was drafted to uh, fix the mistake that was made by drafting Isaiah Wilson, and he's been another mistake, not on the level of Isaiah Wilson, but he's never uh, taken hold of the right tackle spot. They drafted Nicholas Petit Frere after him. So, uh, he was drafted to, to fix the Wilson mistake. Nicholas Petit Frere was drafted to replace the Raiden's mistake. He's really a guard. At any rate, um, I sought him out in the locker room on, on Wednesday to have a conversation about this whole thing. And, and here's the short conversation, short and very reasonable conversation. I thought that we had about me saying something negative about him on Twitter, his reaction to it and how fans reacted to that. Said something mm -hmm. negative about you on Twitter, and mm -hmm. you kind of handled it like a normal person, and a lot of people jumped in and felt like yeah. they needed to be involved. I mean, it's the name of the game. We're in the entertainment industry. You're doing your job. I'm trying to do mine the best of my ability, and uh, 
I mean, yeah, I mean, if a mean thing's said about you, of course, you'd be like, oh, you hurt my feelings, stuff like that. I mean, you just, uh, yeah, like I said, back to the beginning, it's the name of the game, it's the entertainment industry, fans are going to have something to say, you're doing your job, of course you have something to say, and and yeah, of course, I'm trying to do my best, so I'm going to defend myself at the same time. So, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's not what it's not. I'm not making a big deal out of it at all. So do you feel like you and I come out of that well, fine? For sure. Yeah. Like I said, you're just trying to do your job. And yeah. and what do you, what do you think when you see like the other people jumping in to try to defend you or make me out to be? It's uh, whatever they want it to be. The fans, obviously, or any reporters, whatever they want to do. It's part of, like I said, the business that we're in. Um, people are trying to get arousal, get drama, whatever it may be. And it's part of the entertainment aspect of it. And if people want to play into that, then it's free country. More power to them. So the reason I was on you, obviously, is the yeah. false starts. What's going on with the false starts? Um, yeah, it's a lot of environment. They did a really good jo good job at the beginning of the game, um, kind of in the middle of the cadence. Uh, it's hard to hear in and out, especially we're uh, backed up a lot. And uh, so, yeah, it was just hard to hear the cadence and stuff like that. And we got to the end of the cadence, tried to whatever, kill it, move it to a different play, re-ID it, stuff like that. And, I mean, things like that happened. And then the other one, I think it was like a two-minute situation, just trying to get a jump on the ball. And I moved a little bit early before Bruce snapped it. And so, yeah, so it was, a, it was just a thing that I need to clean up and touch up. I'm not too worried about it because, uh, like I said, it's not a complete mental error or bust. It's just uh, one of those things where you just got honing in a little bit. And obviously, I know I need to be better in that area, and I got to be better for the team for that. It's so. not just that game. I think you're near the top of the league in false starts yeah, yeah. over the course of the season. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it overall, what do you, you kind of think about in terms of it as an issue? Yeah, just the thing that you got to clean up. I mean, yeah, it's one of those things that you can't have any unforced errors, especially before the ball's even snapped. And uh, I think if you just clean those up, uh, we'll be good. You're old school in terms of the stand-up. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Hey, major props to the guy. Now, I don't understand why he can't get it cleaned up, and, and that's the issue here. But more and more guys are bigger and bigger babies when they face any kind of, of criticism, especially when it's fair. And I don't think it's unfair to talk about him as being on the list of Titans recent draft disasters in terms of not living up to the role that he was brought in for. And uh, he sees someone that he knows is around regularly, who's had a front row seat and uh, defends himself in a reasonable way and then has a conversation about it. And uh, I, I respect, I, I think it's terrific that we had the exchange that we did on Twitter, the way that we did it on Twitter, and that we were able to have that conversation in the locker room like that. To the intervening tweeters, it's fine. He's fine. He's an adult. He can take it. Other guys who underperform can learn from him. You don't have to jump to the defense of everybody who wears the uniform, particularly when they're not performing well. And there's no lack of guys who are not performing well on a five and eight team that's underachieved in, in many, many ways. Relax. Most of you aren't here. You're off finding cheerleading stuff that, that, that makes you happy. But if you happen to slip over here, he can handle it, and, and you can handle it. So take a deep breath. Did you see Dylan Radin's posture there? He's laid back having a conversation. It's a conversation about job performance, which is part of what you get when you're a second-round draft pick in the NFL. It's okay.
If he can handle it, you sure as fuck can handle it. Zen Sports is my primary sponsor here at the Paul Kuharski Podcast. You see their logo up over my shoulder there. If you join, uh, you, you got to go get their app, the Zen Sports app, and you got to sign up using TN Paul. That's my code. Now, at Zen Sports, the deal that they have is terrific. You get a $1,000 no danger first wager. So make any bet with up to plus 500 odds and uh, up to $1,000. If you blow it, you get the money back within 24 hours. If you hit it, look at you. you you've bankrolled yourself for some time to be able to make kind of whatever bets you want. Um, it's a fantastic way to kind of fund your account. I did this back when betting was first legalized. Uh, I hit on a Georgetown Creighton basketball tournament game, and I may still be making small bets off of the winnings from that. So I think this is the best match you're going to find. Zen Sports, $1,000 no danger first wager. Zen Sports uh, is only in Tennessee. Use the code TNPAUL, and if you're not a member of my site, they will give you one year of a free membership to paulkuharski.com, which is a ridiculously good deal. This uh, podcast that they are kind enough to sponsor is the front door to the website. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit about more, uh, more about that in a second. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and over in Tennessee to bet. Frank Wycheck passed away on Saturday. I was very, very sad, obviously, to report the news. I hope you'll come to paulkuharski.com to read the obituary that I wrote. That uh, I went back into my old clips and found things that Eddie George and Steve McNair had said about him during the peak of his career. Um, and, and, uh, and, and then I wrote a second piece kind of reminiscing about um, his football and um, his radio career where I got to be that he was one of the best guys I ever covered in terms of relatability. Uh, and then he was fantastic when he was at his best on the, on the radio. And I got to be friends with him there. He really helped launch me as a radio personality. Um, and while it's hard guy to stay in touch with, I, I, I did try. Um, he was planning for a while to come to alumni day, uh, against the Falcons earlier this season, which would have been absolutely terrific. But as was the case with Frank, oftentimes he, I was pressing him, Hey, I got to write something before you come. I got, we got to do a podcast before you come. This is going to be a big deal. And he said, Hey buddy, uh, something came up. I've got a full conflict. I'm not going to make it. And that makes me uh, incredibly sad knowing that uh, that would have been his last time. And I know how rousingly, you and Titans fans would have uh, treated him if he had made what would have been a surprising appearance at uh, at Nissan Stadium. So uh, it's a huge loss for the Titans community. Really sad. I know um, there are plans in the works for some sort of public memorial for him um, sometime next year. And obviously, uh, you'll be kept informed of all of those details. I know you'll keep his family in your thoughts, um, his mom and brother who live in Philadelphia, um, his two daughters and three grandchildren who live in Chattanooga, all really 
quality, quality people. I'm hurting for all of them. And uh, it's really just a, a tough loss. But it's funny, you know, and this is how it works. Like I was sitting at my desk over here writing those things, reminiscing about all those fun times. And uh, uh, as a reporter and a writer, it was a lot like standing around talking to those people like you do, you know, after a visitation, um, you know, at a meal, having a drink. Um, and you go from from uh, from from a funeral home or a church to uh, to those conversations where it turns from uh, sad and reverent into laughing and, and telling stories and remembering. And, and that's how it was for me. On, uh, on Sunday and Monday as, as I wrote those things. So I hope if you haven't read them, uh, you will read them and, uh, and get a feel for Frank if, if you didn't or, uh, or have some good memories of him like I, I did. 52 is way, way too young. You also need at paulkoharski.com to read Mike Herndon, who had a great piece uh, on the Titans' past, present, and future after what he's deemed the heist at Hard Rock, which is a great, great name for the game that happened on Monday night. You should be a member of paulkoharski.com through Zen Sports or through uh, the sale that's going on at paulkoharski.com right now at the membership page um, to read things, all of these things, uh, Mike, Blake Bettingfield, uh, everything I do, access to the private videos. Uh, there'll be one Thursday night at halftime of Thursday night football. Um, and if you're watching on YouTube, please subscribe, like, rate, uh, do whatever you can, wherever you're watching or listening. I appreciate you. Um, fines around the league have been relatively ridiculous and well-documented for things that have not been flagged on the field this season. And that's the case for Amani Hooker. Amani Hooker got fined $13,659. I know everybody thinks these numbers are crazy, but they're preset on some formula by the collective bargaining agreement. He was fined for unnecessary roughness in the third quarter of the Colts, but it was not unnecessary roughness. It was actually unsportsmanlike conduct. Um, and it was from a celebration that he participated in with Arden Key after he returned the two-point conversion that he intercepted and brought it back for two points. So he and Arden Key uh, did some kind of celebration that involved their, their hands crossing their faces. Um, let me share first what he said about um, it. Just a you know, handshake with Arden Key. Um, it looks bad, but basically I have a you know, tape through my thumb. I dislocated my thumb a couple weeks ago, or about a month ago actually. But yeah, it was just did this action. But I had my thumb taped, so I couldn't close my hand. So it was kind of, it looked bad, like a throw slash. But they got me on, on the camp video doing it, but I should be able to appeal it. 13K is steep. Yeah. Like yeah, if yeah. they stuck to that? Yeah, if they stuck to that, I mean, that's steep for anybody, for sure. You think they're a little out of hand with um, how aggressively they're finding guys this season? I think I think as far as what I've been seeing around the league, yeah, it's been, it's been a little, because a lot of the stuff I've been seeing are just like football move fines. You know what I mean? Like guys just making a play to protecting themselves and they're getting fined for it. What'd you think when you got that letter? Um, I was, I was actually, I was wondering when it happened. I'm like, I'm not really a throat slashing kind of guy after I make a play. So I was curious about what happened and they sent me a video and I was like, all right, well, 
It's an honest mistake, but you know, we'll see how the appeal process goes. Have you been fined before an appeal and had yep. success? I've had, um, I think for like equipment, like my socks are below my knees and they fined me about like 8K for that. Appealed it and it, they took it off. They took it yep. off. Yep. So you're optimistic? Yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty lenient. You know, if you have good evidence and you know, it's true, then a lot of times, you know, they, they do uh, give you benefit of the doubt. I hear the process is pretty slow. Yes, it happened last week and we haven't had a meeting yet. So hopefully it happens sometime pretty soon. All right, so there's some news for starters. I believe he said he dislocated his thumb a month ago. So uh, mark that down as something I'm pretty sure that we did not know. Um, so he dislocated his thumb a month ago, um, and so his hand was taped in a way that it was more open than he wanted it, and he wanted his hand to be closed for the celebration. He was fined for a gesture that looked like a throat slash. Well, he wanted his hand closed to make this gesture, which was not a throat slash. His hand was more open than he wanted. It looked like, it looked like a throat slash. These fines are especially heavy this year. And we learn about the fines, but we don't learn about the appeal results uh, when a good share of the fines are reduced or rescinded. So it winds up the players look bad uh, because the bad news comes out. But the good news, um, the, the takeaway of the fine or the reduction of the fine doesn't come out. I've been talking to Aziz Al-Shair about a fine, a $14,000 fine almost from week one for unnecessary roughness against Derek Carr. And he's not gotten a verdict yet on his appeal. This is a week one fine that he's waiting on a verdict from. So these appeals can be very slow. Hooker's obviously appealed. He hasn't had his meeting yet. Sounds like there was zero intent here. Um, and that's what it should be judged by, right? So shouldn't they investigate that first? Like, wouldn't it make more sense if they called Hooker or Hooker's agent and said, hey, what we're seeing here looks like a throat slash. We want to talk to him before we levy this fine. And he said, oh, my hand's taped in a certain way because I had a dislocated thumb a month ago. Arden and I designed this celebration where we did X. My hand was actually supposed to be closed. And the furthest thing from my mind was a throat slash there. Then they could reduce the fine or not fine him in advance instead of fine, appeal, hearing, and decision." Seems kind of backwards to me, but I'd like them to uh, operate with common sense, and we know how unlikely that is. Jaspers is also a sponsor of my podcast. Jaspers is a terrific, versatile restaurant and bar on West End Avenue between Midtown and Downtown in Nashville, Tennessee. The best thing at the very beginning of Jaspers is that you park for free in a part of town where it's impossible to park for free. The part of town where it's impossible to park for free is virtually every part of town. But so you go to Jasper's, you park for free, you go in, you order a nice cold cocktail or a beer. You can order your meal for a business lunch, for a date night, for a family night. If you want to, then you can go play a bunch of free games, uh, ski ball, air hockey, pop a shot, whatever. It's terrific. Also free. If that's not your cup of tea, kick back. Have a drink, order from the menu. I'm a big fan of the bolognese or the Cuban sandwich. The food's great. The service is great. The location is great. Very versatile restaurant. Fitting for uh, all occasions. Can't recommend it highly enough. Good food, good drinks, good staff, good location, good prices. Uh, checks every box. 
Check out Jasper's on West End between Midtown and Downtown. You will not regret it. I was wondering if this game, this win in Miami that you know had an unprecedented ending in terms of comeback was a catapult. You know, if the Titans were thinking this was a catapult for them, did it show these Titans what they're capable of in a way where they can now maybe play differently? And, you know, just thinking maybe not. Mike Vrabel pointed out post game, it's still a roster with a whole bunch of guys that, that uh, people don't know, but you know, a lot of these guys, did stuff, contributed to stuff that the Titans hadn't done before. Um, and that certainly gives you a new confidence that you can carry forward, right? Um, Daniel Brunskill, though, uh, the guard who was rotated uh, out of this game because he's still dealing with an ankle that's affecting uh, his play. And Calvin Throckmorton um, played some in his place. He had an interesting take on how it does and doesn't change who the Titans are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been through the season, there's been a lot of that. Um, but uh, at the end of the day, the win-loss thing was different. Like, the games that we lost, so everybody's just, you know, worried about the loss. But then when we get the win, everybody's like, oh, heck yeah, now we see what we're possible. And the fans can see that. But at the end of the day, we still made a lot of the mistakes that we've been making. We just happened to somehow, like, make it out of that one. I think we still need to correct a lot of things. Um, there's too many pre-snap penalties that we have to get fixed. Um, also, the turnovers, we got to find a way to take care of the ball. We can't have loose balls on the ground um, like that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we now we've proved to the fans and, you know, people watching on national television that, like, hey, we're, we're capable of winning the big game. And we have that ability. We've had that ability all season, but we still have to clean up a lot of things. And we got to find a way to, if we can fix those things, we're going to have less games where we're beating ourselves. So they prove themselves capable, but they're still not so great, is what he said, basically. Realistic, right? No rave review from Daniel Brunskill. Healthy, grounded, smart, probably very much what Mike Grable has told them behind the scenes, I would I would imagine. I'm sure that's echoing Vrabel, who's not going to let them get too high off the final four minutes and 30 seconds uh, when there was so much disastrous stuff to that game before the big ending. So this is where I surprise the people. The people think that I would only go overboard with Titans positivity when things are very negative for the Titans. But that's not the case. The Titans are coming off their best moment of the year. This improbable comeback win in Miami was a glorious moment for them nationally. Will Levis leading two touchdown drives in the last four and a half minutes. Titans first team this century to come back from 14 down in the final three minutes of regulation to win in regulation. And so where do I turn? What do I think of? I think of my alter ego, positive PK. I get him on the line. We rig this up. You can't see him, but here's that magical voice. Well, it is great to talk to you. No, it's not, but it's great to talk to the people because 
Positive PK is always here for the people, and it's great to talk to the Grinch that stole football in Nashville and in the state of Tennessee, Mr. Negative. You've probably been out all day putting coal in kid, little kids' stockings and ruining their Christmases, while I have been in soup kitchens all day, feeding the homeless, greeting my fellow man in the streets, so happy with this incredible comeback Titans win, which is going to propel us, and I do say us, into the playoffs how how are the homeless positive pk are they well fed today thanks to your efforts well they're staying positive thanks to me and thanks to the help of a lot of positive people out here in the community i noticed you weren't out there feeding the homeless because you're mr negative i was not in fact feeding the homeless today i took the day off i've got five points here that i want to cover with the most optimistic titans person in uh, on the globe, in the galaxy, in the in let the her rip. Can't universe. wait. Can't wait. Let her universe. rip. Traylon Burks's problem is apparent. He is just not a very good football player. We saw DeAndre Hopkins make a play on a similar ball with two defenders. Glorious catch. Will Levis delivers a similar ball to Traylon Burks. It bounces off his chest like he was throwing it to a wall. Is it time? to just uh, concede that, that Traylon Burks is another Titans first-round bust. Are you crazy? What are you talking about? Traylon Burks is the next Jerry Rice. I said that when he got drafted. He's only going to learn from guys like DeAndre Hopkins how to adjust. You ever play night football there, smart smart Alec? No. He lost the ball in the lights, okay? It could have been a little bit better throw from Will Levis, but still very positive on, on him, on his future, and I'm sure we'll talk about him. Do not give up on Traylon Burks. This guy is going to be... 10 times better than A.J. Brown. He's going to be 10 times better than any receiver this organization has ever had. I mean, more positive about Traylon Burks than I've been about any player since Isaiah Wilson with the Tennessee Titans. You don't know what you're <laughs> talking about, as usual. Man, that is quite a review. And we know that Isaiah Wilson has gone on to incredible things. It looks like the changing of the running back is underway. You know, Derrick Henry uh, against Indianapolis didn't finish because he was getting checked for a concussion. But Tajay Spears took over capably there. And he was the number two guy behind Hopkins for Levis in this game. Are we about to see the last four games for Derrick Henry as the Titans leading man? Absolutely not. Where are you getting your information from? Listen, Amy Armstrong loves Derrick Henry just like we all do. He's going to sign a multi-year contract extension. Don't ask me how I know. I just know. And not only that, next year, Derrick Henry is, is going to become the first player in NFL history to rush for 2,500 yards. Derrick Henry's got so much gas left in the tank, unlike present company excluded here. He is going to be... He's going to break Emmett Smith's all-time rushing record as a Tennessee Titan. He's going to play at least another eight years. What are you talking about? This is his last four games. I have never been more positive about Derrick Henry. The way he's running, the way he's handling himself, it is going to be the greatest one-two punch in the, in the history of the NFL. Derrick Henry, 2,500 yards next year. Tajay Spears, 1,500 yards next year. Write it down. Remember where you heard it there, Mr. Mr. Negative. Will they throw it all with all those rushing yards? They will need to, but if they do, they've got Will Levis, who is about to become the greatest quarterback of all time. This offense is going to sing next year. Watch. You mark my words. And Traylon Burks, 
80 catches. DeAndre Hopkins, 180 catches next year. If you haven't met him, this is Positive PK, my alter ego. He's got Hey, everybody. Stay positive. I think the accent's a little thick, but some people think he sounds like me. He likes to remain anonymous. He's very low-key, but he's taking time out of feeding the homeless to visit with us. A great game Monday night, but big picture, um, what's worse? this season the propensity to give up the big x plays downfield or the inability of the pass rush to touch the quarterback touching the quarterback what did harold landry do on the final play for the dolphins he got in there and got a sack this front seven is elite elite look what they did to tyree kill look what they did to Jalen waddle they knocked him around a little bit Tua didn't know whether to poop or wind his watch once once uh, Tyreek Hill went down. This pass rush is elite. This front seven's elite. And wait till Jeffrey Simmons comes back. It's going to be even better. Again, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just being negative for the sake of being negative. That was a virtuoso performance by the defense Monday night. One get, Yeah, that was good on Monday night. But where has it been all season is the, is the question. Well, you like to make these questions because you like to be negative. They have had the most consistent play of any defense all season. They, it's an elite secondary, an elite front seven. Jeffrey Simmons being out inspired this team Monday night to have their best performance of the season. And guess what? It's only going to get better, their sport. Only going to get better. Craig Aukerman's firing only a few years too late. Didn't you love to see Mike Vrabel jump to action after a coach failed to have his unit prepared, got two punts blocked, mixed and missed an extra point, and lost the game. Let me tell you something. Normally, I agree with everything that Mike Rabel says and everything he does, unlike you who need, feels the need to challenge him with every decision he makes. Was I... Was I all in on the Craig Gockerman firing? No, because he's a very positive guy, and I think he's done very positive things with special teams. I did not agree with it, but look how it turned out. Dude, we blocked the kick the other night. We blocked the field goal the other night. Okay, Garrett dropped the punt. All right, Garrett dropped the punt the other night. It happens. But look, look how the team responded. Look at his next punt return. He bobbled it, but he picked it up, and he got positive yards. That's positive. <laughs> yeah, he bobbled it. He bobbled it, but it turned out okay. Very accepting. You, you could have gone to the Ackerman School of Coaching. All's well that ends well, Paul. You don't understand that because you're Mr. Negative. They're five and eight. They've got four games left. Even you, positive PK, cannot tell me that they win out and that the Jags, the Colts, and the Texans all fall apart and that this team somehow ends up in the playoffs. It's not possible. Not only is it possible, I guarantee it, negative, Mr. Negative. The Titans are going to win out. Look at the Texans. Their quarterback's hurt. Look at the Colts. Come on. Gardner Minshew, he's a positive guy. I like what he does. I'm very positive about him, but he's but they're going to falter. You look at the schedule. Three of the last four games at home. This team has been fantastic at home. And now, I read in the New York Times the other day, I know you're Mr. Smart Guy, Columbia Ivy League, but you probably don't read the New York Times. I read the New York Times. I, I got on their playoff predictor. The Titans have a 1% chance to make the playoffs. 
So you're telling me there's a chance they are going to make history. They're going to win out. All the other, all these other teams are going to foster, get ready for playoff football in Nashville, Tennessee with the Titans this year. And Levis is going to lead them not only to the AFC championship game, we're going to the Super Bowl. See you in Vegas. Get your gambling shoes on. People say I'm negative. Who else is giving positive PK this platform? Ten good minutes. On PTI, they give five good minutes. I give 10 good minutes to positive PK. We're going to let him go here. So uh, he's he's um, he's fed the homeless. Now he's going to go feed undernourished babies, uh, do do other things, pick up trash in, in uh, dirty neighborhoods, all the charitable uh, events that he can be involved in. That's where you'll find positive PK. We'll check in with him again before the season's over. Thanks so much for joining us. You're always an absolute delight. I don't know how you can find so much positivity around this team. Well, it's easy to find when you know where to find it. I'm making a list. I'm checking it twice there, sport. And now, obviously, you're on the naughty list. I'm going to help out all the nice, positive people in town. See you in the playoffs there, sport. Yeah, good luck with that. That's it for the Paul Kuharski podcast. Be sure to check out Zen Sports and Jaspers. Don't block the box. And please, please be sure to lock your locks.